I've been praying really hard for this message. Actually, for this section, I knew this was coming. And I knew that if I skipped it, you would catch me. So, uh, we shall wander in to this new piece of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. If you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That is in reference to your former manner of life. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to lust of deceit that you be renewed in your spirit of mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which is created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. Father, uh, we uh, come to a section here that sets us up, and I read these words that I say and affirm together with the Lord that that is Paul's way of saying... Uh, Please heed and hear. So, Father, as we come today, I understand this text. I know what I have done and what you have shown me through this. But, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you will teach them that the things that they may think they believe that may not be there would be... uh, moved away and you would open their eyes that they may know the deeper things of God, the deeper things of the Son of God. And that, Father, we would be overwhelmed with the privilege but Father, be overwhelmed with the task. To you, my King. Amen. When I go back to this text, and I've read this numerous times for myself, studied it several times of my own, I remember years ago, about 30, 30, 35 years ago, 34 years ago, I had gone to work. I was building houses, and I'd gone to work on a Monday. And uh, when I regained consciousness, it was Wednesday. And I was up at the hospital in Aurora. I remember waking up in my bed, and I looked up to the ceiling, and there was just those fluorescent lights over my head. And I opened up my eyes, And the first thing that crawled between my ears was, you are not your own. You have been bought and paid for with a price. And I was kind of shocked. I had been attending a church that I got baptized in. And I had joined the church volleyball team. I played on the church softball team. I painted the church, the whole thing outside. I just did So I was doing everything I was supposed to. When I got baptized, I asked them, what am I supposed to do? And they said, well, read the Gospel of John. So I think I read it two or three times and thought, made it. And then all of a sudden I woke up in the hospital and I realized that I was not my own. I'd been bought and paid for with a price. I remember talking to a Russian pastor years ago, one of my first trips to uh, the former Soviet Union. His name was Igor too, but he was in Moscow. And he made a statement to me. He said he prays for the church in America and for the Christians in America. He said, because what you guys have done with the gospel has inoculated people from salvation. Okay. I thought, wow, that's pretty serious. Now that was... uh, 
few years ago. I just, in June was my 25th year as the pastor here. And I would have to agree with Igor completely. And I will be honest with you, there are some in this congregation I still wonder. Because when you think about salvation, what does that mean? When you say, I am saved, what does it mean? You got saved from hell? Is that what it means? Now, that is a bonus, don't get me wrong. But that's not really what salvation is. Remember in verse 13 of chapter 4? That you would know the Son of God. Okay, now, I'm going to take you to a place that I guarantee you, except for maybe two, yeah, maybe, maybe two, that there are going to be some things you're going to hear that are going to make you go, what? Okay? But uh, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Bring me the verse. Because I got a bunch of them. Because salvation to me is the most cherished thing that I know. There's nothing means more to me than salvation. And what I see in Christianity today, in Castle Rock, is not salvation. Do you know the Son of God? Many of you have heard this. You must be born again, right? Talking to Nicodemus. You know, that's a big Baptist phrase. But are you born again? Okay. When was your being, when was your nature invaded by the God of creation? When did that happen? When did you enter into the kingdom of God? Okay. There is a tremendous, miraculous change that takes place at the instant of your salvation. At the instant of your salvation, hear me well, at the instant of your salvation, your basic nature totally changes to a different person. Okay? It should be dramatic. I know a lot of people say, well, Terry, the background that you have, it was dramatic. Let me tell you something. Sin is sin. If you did not have a dramatic transformation, guess where you're at? Your nature should change dramatically. I remember when I first took the pulpit here in Castle Rock, the big thing was spiritual gifts. Okay, and that was the battle. Okay, that's what everybody wanted to. And what I realized is that pastors and a lot are some pastors and some lay people and all the rest of it. We're not going to read their Bible, no matter what you see, what it says right here. And it didn't really matter what you said, because if, if, if a person believes there's a purple elephant in their living room, you're not going to talk them out of it. Okay. And so some of the spiritual gifts was, well, I heard somebody said that somebody's uncle's cousin did this. Therefore. And you're like, what? But I, that was the battle. But as I have, stayed on in this town, a question that keeps coming back to me 
And those of you who know me know how bashful I can be. Is the question of one's salvation. I look at this congregation biblically. Okay? And one of the verses that bugs me the most, and I'm going to complain when I finally see him, is that I have to give an account for the souls that are entrusted to me. And there's times I like to say, man, them's your sheep, them ain't mine. (laughs) I I wouldn't have bought one of them. But I have to give an account for every one of your souls. Hebrews 10. It just drives me nuts. I just keep thinking, I was like, what did I do? Okay, because I've got honest, be honest with you, some people that take the name, they don't line up with biblical salvation. Because it's like I said, it is a miraculous, tremendous transformation of the nature of the individual. So I get myself into trouble when people will approach me and say they are saved, and I ask them, how do you know? Or people that I have known for a while may struggle with something, and I will question whether it is true. I have a new statement I've learned, in case you wanted to hear it. They will smile at you with a great big smile and says, Judge not lest ye be judged. And I reply with, Twist not scripture lest ye be like Satan. Because I know that text. And I know what it says. And what they're saying is twisted. The change that occurred when you were saved is more dramatic than the change that will occur when you die. You know who said that? John Knox. You know who else said that? John Calvin. You know who else said that? Robert Murray McShane. You know who else said that? Charles Spurgeon. You know who else said that? R.C. Sproul. You know who else said that? John MacArthur. Now listen, if those guys who are just rank amateur Bible readers are saying the greatest transformation happens at the moment of your salvation, then let me ask you a question. Did you get it? Over centuries, men of God have said the greatest transformation is the moment of your salvation. Take the Apostle Paul. He left Jerusalem with letters to arrest Christians, runs to Damascus to arrest these people. When he came back, was there a dramatic transformation? Peter denied Christ three times the night of his arrest. Forty days later, he goes into the temple and says, You men of Israel who murdered Messiah... Was there a transformation? Then why would there not be in me and you? Your new nature has already been created. The new you has already been made. Do you understand the new you is already fitted for heaven right now? You're already a citizen of God's kingdom at the instant of your salvation. And at the instant of my salvation, the only thing I knew, I had read the 23rd Psalm on the obituary of my father. And I read the Gospel of John. And yet I was ready for heaven. I was already a citizen of the king. Listen, all death does for a Christian is free up that new nature to enter into the presence of God. 
It removes the anchor that holds me here on this planet. The greatest change has already happened. Everything is new. Okay? Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? If any man is in Christ, he's working on being a new creation. Nope. He's adding to the old creation. Nope. He is a new creation. You know, I listen to people chasing miracles all over. I need a miracle for this and a miracle for that and a healing of this and a healing with that. Do you realize the greatest miracle that has ever taken place in the existence of creation is the miracle of your instantaneous salvation? Listen, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't mean that he receives something new. Okay? He is new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It is a new creation. So I'm going to wander around a little bit. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Now, I want you to hear these words. I want you to listen to these words good because they are used for a purpose. Okay? If you are a Christian today, the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, did you read them words? I have been crucified with Christ. Okay? Crucifixion is an act of execution. So the question is, how crucified was Christ? To death. Paul says, I have been really close to being as crucified as Christ. You know what he's telling you? I have died with Christ. Got that? I have died with Christ. But... It is no longer I who live, but what? Christ lives in me. So the life you have right now, whose is it? Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that seems like that would be amazingly visible. Because you are dead. And the life I live is what? Christ. I I remember hearing a preacher, the first time I ever heard him, a little Welsh guy about that tall, walks up, he had just come out of chemotherapy here. I didn't know this at the time. And he staggers up these stairs and you keep thinking, oh, somebody go help that man. He's going to topple down and fall. And so he gets up to the pulpit. He lays his Bible down. And it was pastors. And he started it off. He preached out of First Timothy. But he started it off with, Men, We are to preach Christ and Him crucified and nothing else. And then He took off. I mean, He literally, it was, you just sort of, uh. You know, I kept thinking, when the roof's going to open and we're out of here, this is it. This is the big one. We're gone. When He got done, there was about, uh, 
4,500, maybe 5,000 pastors in there. They stand and applaud. He holds his hand out like this. Says, no, no, no. Pointed to heaven. That was Christ. And it was one of the most powerful messages I ever heard in my life. Got to know him really well before he went on to glory. And every time I seen him preach, they would applaud. And he would say, no, no, no. That is Christ. It is not I, but the life I live is Christ. This is the new creation. The life of Christ living in me. Listen, brothers and sisters. We're going to move into this chapter 5 and 6 of this. And it's got all these really cool things that we all know how we're going to do. I'm to love my wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself. My wife, she submits to me just as unto Christ. And I am supposed to honor my employees. And my employers is supposed to take care of me. And and I have all the kids. you got to honor your And you're all going to be sitting there going, and I just don't understand why they're not doing it. And I'm going to look at you. With all the love and compassion that I can, and I'm going to say, keep your focus on the thought that the life you live is Christ. Oh, by the way, did you forget? They crucified him. We are new. We are a new creation. Paul's, I want you to think about some of this stuff. If you read Paul's writings, cursory writings, Paul's writings will tell you, we have a new will. We have a new mind. We have a new heart. We have new wisdom. We have new knowledge. We have a new understanding. We have a new life. We have a new inheritance. We have a new relationship. We have a new righteousness. We have a new love. We have new desires. We have a new citizenship. You know what? I can summarize it. Out of the letter to the Romans. We have the newness of life. Old things have passed away. Be careful. Most of us have spent time. Some of you have been in church longer than I am old. Well, maybe not. But... I'm a little older than what I thought I was when I, never mind. I won't use that illustration anymore. Some of you were raised in the church. I was not. I was exposed to this teaching, so I'm assuming that it's been around for a while. A lot of teaching is out there that uh, when you became a Christian, God gives you something new. Okay? You know, you still have that old nature. Okay? Uh, the old is still there, and God gives you something new. Okay? But according to the Bible, you're a new creation. Most Christians' thinking have it as a matter of addition. In addition to. But how do you get that out of Galatians 2.20? How, how, how do I look at that and say, see the old nature? According to that verse, the old nature did what? Was crucified. And the life I live is, that's a new one. I didn't have that one in the past. I just now got that one. Okay, so go with me over to Philippians chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness, old, or empty conceit, but in all humility of mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Why? That would make his joy complete. 
Okay, now that just that little bitty verse right there shows you the contrast of the non-saved versus the saved. Okay? How much humility is in the lost? How much anxiety is in the lost? Okay? Here, let me see if I can make it crystal clear. The Gospel of Romans, chapter 6. Some of you went with me through a precept study. I taught the Gospel of Romans on a Sunday nights over the course of a, about a century. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized... Can you know what the word baptized mean? Baptismo? It is a, a term to give you the best illustration from the original language is when you take a cucumber and you stick it in, uh, what do you stick it in? A brine? Brine? And it turns into a pickle. Okay? That, when you see that word in the New Testament, if you follow it back in the Greek language, <laughs> we're all a bunch of Jesus pickles. <laughs> okay? But anyway, let's pick it up again. You've been baptized into Christ, okay? And if it stopped right there, it'd be awesome. Because that'd be kind of cool, huh? But what does it say? Have been baptized into His... You've been immersed into His death. Therefore, we have been buried with Him. Okay, Paul wants to make sure you get this thing down. We've been buried with him through the baptism unto his death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. What does it say next? We too might walk in the newness of life. You know what that means? You're a new creation. New creation. You've been buried and raised to walk in the newness of life. You know, when we baptize somebody, you raise them up out of the water, and I think, you know, how many people who really know what they just did know what they just did? I am telling the world that is witnessing this that I have come up out of the grave. I, the old stinky me, is still down in there, and what you see now is a life that is Christ. It is not I who lives, but it is Christ living in me. Do you understand that that's salvation? Do you understand that when the Apostle Paul says, I want you to have the knowledge of the Son of God, this is what he's talking about? I'm not talking about Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so. That's not what he's talking about. It's not what he's talking about. Listen, if you are saved... You really, really need to grasp this. Because there's a freedom in this that I can't, I have no way to explain to you. I have no way to explain it to you. You are a new you. So, no problem, right? If I'm so new, how's come I sin? Okay? Because you are a new you in an old, smelly, rotten suit. Feeling any better yet? I get people ask me, uh, the political junk that's going on. They'll ask me about certain candidates. And they said, what do you think about that person? I said, well, it's a suit. Said, well, what do you mean it's a suit? Whatever you want to put in it. Okay? I look at Christians today, and sometimes their suits are so rotten and smelly, and they got that goofy grin on their face, and I'm like, you are clueless. Either you're not his... Or you're clueless. 
Romans chapter 7, verse 17. So now, now remember Paul's come out of the, you have been united with Christ. Remember I taught on the Jesus biscuit. Okay, and now we've been baptized into the pickle. Okay, so now everybody's got all their theology is intact. All right, and then you move into chapter 7, and he comes up. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Okay, verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. It is that sin that is in me that the Spirit of the living God has conquered. But for whatever reason, we like to go back to that grave, dig up that dirt, and look at it. It's smelly, but it was comfortable. I think I'm going to pick that up and carry it for a little while. Has any of you guys read uh, John Bunyan, um, Pilgrim's Progress? <laughs> this whole thing, he's carrying this heavy pack on his back, and it's just weighing him down, weighing him down, weighing him down. He gets, and I, he goes through this adventure carrying this thing. It is all, and when he gets to the pearly gates, they ask him, why are you carrying that? And he says, well, you know, this is my burden. And he says, he paid the price for it. You're wasting your time carrying that. And yet it's this thing he drug around through the whole book. And Paul says, when I sin, it isn't my new nature sinning. It's no more I. It's not the resurrected I that walks in the newness of life. It's not the new nature. You know what? If you go trying to find the phrase, the old nature in Scripture... Uh, you're going to really spend a lot of time for no apparent reason because it ain't in there. The old was buried with Christ through the crucifixion. We're new. We are new. He says that I don't like doing the things that I like to do. Yeah, I know you don't. But we are new. You are a new creation. You have a new life. The life you live is Christ. The new I have is not what sins. It is the sin that dwells in me. It is that really smelly, rotten coat that is my humanness. Okay, I hate to, I remember a dear friend of mine, he said, Glory, we were talking, we was doing a Bible study at my house, and it, he, he's, we were talking about how do you know you're saved and spirit bears witness with you and da da da, all that stuff. And he asked me, he said, you know what? Why didn't God make sin stink so that you, you we could smell it? And then, you know, it would, it would be a deterrent. I smiled at him. I said, Ed, <laughs> God bless you. We get used to it. We'll get used to it. Well, I don't smell that bad. I smelled that sin over there, boy. It was awful. Listen here, it's not too bad. The new nature has to endure that nasty old coat. Have you ever smelled rotting flesh? If you've ever smelled it, it leaves an impression. Okay, from the point of that impression on, you know it just like that. And yet, how many Christians are walking around with smelly, rotten flesh? As a Christian, we have to deal with that nasty old cloak. First Peter chapter 2, Peter uses this verb and it, and it, and it means to strip it off. Remove the dirty clothes. Throw them away. Get rid of that. Listen, we are not remodel jobs. We are new creation. If any man is in Christ, he is a 
new creation. We are not something that was added to. Listen, we are not two natures. I hear that thrown around a lot. No, we're not. If you're a new creation, you can't be. A Christian has one new nature. Uh, back to Romans chapter 6, verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Did you hear what he just said there? Death no longer is master over him. That new I, that new you, that new I, that new creation, the life we live as Christ is righteous. The life we live in Christ is holy. The life we live in Christ is sanctified. Why? Because Christ is righteous, Christ is holy, Christ is sanctified. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The life I live is Christ living in me. His life in me. His righteousness in me. His holiness in me. His sanctification is in me. Then, the very life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Do you understand? If you take this theology and really immerse yourself into it, do you understand why self-righteous works are so evil in the sight of God? It isn't your works. Anything that is righteous in a Christian, who is it? It's Christ. The very life you live is the divine principle in you. Now then, I want to take you back to a, what I started with. Remember what it said? You were born again. Okay, we all like that, don't we? I'm born again. I'm born again. Now let me press your head on that one. If I look at Peter and John in their writings, okay, I'm born again. But it says that I am of incorruptible seed of a divine life. So, if I'm born again, where did the seed come from? Whoa. You know what that means, right? A new creation. Not like one in the past. The Christian is a brand new creature. He's a brand new man. It is total. It is complete. But sin is a problem. Because of that smelly, rotten clothes of the human clothing. See, this is what the Holy Scriptures are showing us. This is what this text is in Ephesians. We need to throw that old, smelly, stinky, rotten stuff off. Remember what he said to the writer of Hebrews? Don't become entangled with the things of the smelly, rotten place of the world. What do you and I end up doing? I get entangled. The man is a new... At the moment of your salvation, the new man is a new human behavior. 
and is completely opposite of what the world promotes. Put on the new human that fits this new nature. That's why I called this off with the old and on with the new. Get rid of it. You don't need it. Our fight is that the old self and getting rid of it. Listen, I understand. Okay? The old self is comfortable. Yeah? Well, this is the way I've always done it. It's comfortable. The old self, we're used to it. But the old self makes the new very uncomfortable. And I have seen it in Christians. They are miserable. Because the new creation says, stinks in here. Change this. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 1. Therefore, okay, you know what therefore means, right? I'm going to summarize what I just came out of. Appearance of wisdom, self-made religion, self-abasement, severe treatment of the body. But there is no value against these fleshly indulgences. Okay, and he's showing the superiority of the work of Christ over what man tries to accomplish. But anyway, he says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So, set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life when Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Then he goes on. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Okay, note that. Not dying, but as dead. To immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. But because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And then, and in them, you also once walked when you were living in them, but you no longer live in them, you have died. Okay, I've had the opportunity a couple of times to be in different situations. I won't give locations, but um, people had gotten themselves into uh, kind of a tough place, tough times. And they would come in very, very uh, dirty. Uh, I mean, I can't really get into all the details, but um, they would inevitably have lice. And I remember in a couple of countries I went into, they had these um, shower, great big shower stalls. Uh, the spigots were just hanging out of the ceilings. And they would pour the people in there, strip them naked, and then pour the people in there. And they would have this concoction of hot water and, and some kind of pesticide or something to de-lice these people. And they would do it in groups, large groups of these people. Okay. And um, very effective, very, very effective. I'm not sure if their skin didn't fall off in 10 years, but it, it worked to get, they didn't have lice when they came out. But you know what they did not do? They did not walk them outside and put their clothes back on them. You know what they did with the clothes? Burned them. How many Christians do you know have been deliced and go out and put their old clothes on? What a visual, eh? But that's what we do. That's what we do. We need new garment for the new man. 
When you clean these people up, you don't go put them back in their dirty clothes. When you have this new creation living the life of Christ in them, you don't go put them back in their old clothes. Same works for Christians. As we have been made new, as we have been transformed, and it is right now, do you realize that you are as ready for heaven right now as you're ever going to be? You are as holy right now as you're ever going to be. You are as righteous right now as you're ever going to be. You are as sanctified right now, sanctified, set apart right now as you're ever going to be. You're ready for heaven. If you weren't ready for heaven, he wouldn't tell you to pray without ceasing because God cannot look upon sin. When God looks upon you, you know what he sees? His son. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our nature is ready. We just need to get rid of the old things. We need to get rid of some of our old practices. Okay, we need to get rid of uh, some of the old life that uh, hangs on us or we hang on it. I think it's a mutual agreement. And it's like I said, yeah, there's sometimes it's comfortable. That's time I'm used to it. Christ is formed in us. Let me give you another verse. The apostle Paul writing the church in the area of Galatia, chapter 4, verse 19. My children. Now remember, Paul's mad at the Galatians. I mean, he uses some harsh stuff there. But anyway, my children with whom I'm again in labor, okay, until Christ is formed in you. The very life of Christ in you. I told you, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, we admonish and we teach every man to do what? To present them complete, Perfect, lacking nothing in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, remember that? We were created in Christ. His life living in us. His nature is ours. Okay, our struggle is that clothing of sin. That's the struggle. Okay, that is what the Apostle Paul attacks in 17 to 24. That is this text. Okay, so real salvation. You got it. New nature. Brand new nature. You may stink a little bit. That's all right. You can shake those things off. And you know what? You may even have to set some of it on fire. But it's there. You have a life now. It is no longer you who live, but it is Christ who lives in you. So be real careful out there because there's times you will see something. There is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that hang around out there and want to keep you draped in sin. But you have a new life. You have died to sin. You have a new master, Paul told the Romans. You once were a slave to sin. You're now a slave to righteousness. And you can do it because Jesus said, I have not come to do my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Guess what your job is? Got it? Very simple, very easy. Be anxious for nothing. Right? No problem. That's the new creation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, the author and the finisher. Father, when I think about uh, may we have the mind of Christ as we sang. Father, when I think about uh, without my vision, think of those great hymns. 
Think about this text. Think about how many people in church on this Sunday morning have no idea the reality of salvation. Help us, Father. Help us to take off the old, put on the new, and walk in the righteousness, the holiness, the sanctification of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. In you, Lord, we are more than conquerors. Help us. In Christ's name, amen.